Jesus House in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting lives. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. Christian life is easy. The likelihood is that you're not living it. But everybody must have an inspiration to press on despite all the challenges. And that's why the scripture said, looking unto who? The author and the finisher of earth. Dr. Okeonuzo is the president of Kingdom Life Seminar Global Outreach, a ministry started in 2011 with a vision to raise men and women globally who walk daily footprints of Jesus. He has authored several books including the best-selling Pathway to Conversational Prayer, You May Kiss the Bride and many more. He's known as the pastor's pastor for the grace God has given him to mentor many pastors in different parts of the world. He's also a consultant nephrologist and the chief medical director for the first private dialysis center in Nigeria, the Life Support Medical Center which he pioneered with his wife, Dr. Marion Nuzo, in 1986. They are blessed with four children. Please welcome to Pursuit of God 2020, Dr. Oke. Onuzo. The subject of our meditation today is intimacy with God, the quest, the search. Let us bow our heads to pray. Father, please, Draw us near to you in a way that only you can by your Holy Spirit. That at the end of it all, each and everyone under the sound of my voice will learn to draw near to you. To the end that the delights of your heart will prosper through our lives. For in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Our Bible reading is taken from Genesis Chapter 1, verse 26 to 27. Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. We go to Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and Breathe into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Again, we read from Genesis chapter 3, from verse 8. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden 
in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord, from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. We must be all on the same page as to what our quest is all about. There is a scripture that brings this out quite clearly and drives it to the roots of our creation. Let us go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 45. And so it is written, The first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Howbeit, that was not first, which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward, that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy, and as is the heavenly such are those, are they also, that are heavenly. Verse 49. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. The first Adam was a living soul. The last Adam was a quickening spirit. Genesis 2 chapter verse 7 gives us the tripartite nature of man and we can distinguish the three parts from their origins. First, the body is from the dust of the earth. This is something we understand fairly well from our studies in chemistry, both physical and organic. The spirit in man came directly from God and it serves two basic functions. It imparts physical life because it is the animating presence and power as revealed in King Solomon's classic revelation of what takes place at death in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 verse 7 and the dust returns to the earth as it once was and the spirit returns to God who gave it. This is consistent with Genesis 2.7. The body is from the earth and the spirit is from God. The soul has been variously described as human consciousness or the real man because it is where we live, think, feel and will. The soul is composite unlike the spirit that quickened it. The soul of man is also eternal. The body is tangible. The soul and the spirit in man are not tangible, but are no less real. The spirit in man, besides being the animating power, is also the connection with the spirit of God. The human spirit serves both God and man. 
the God side of its, of its function is revealed in Proverbs 20, 27, which says the spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of his heart. Now you and I can understand that that revealing conversation between the Lord God Almighty and Prophet Samuel in 1 Samuel 16, 6-7. So it was when they came that he looked at Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. As Eliab stepped forward, the prophet Samuel, who could not see the heart immediately, was impressed by his stature. But God immediately tuned into the spirit in Eliab, and in an instant obtained the activities of his soul, his thoughts, his passions, and his decisions. The reason is because it is the spirit in man that monitors the soul as revealed in 1 Corinthians 2, 11 to 12. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freed given to us by God. Now it is easy to understand why King David was somewhat frustrated by man's inability to escape from the presence of the Lord. In Psalm 139 verse 7, where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say surely, the darkness shall fall on me. Even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. Nobody can escape from God, because the animating spirit in man came from the Spirit of God, so there is no escape. On a side note, it is for this reason that you and I must not allow anybody to implant a chip in any part of your body. If they do, they will insert something there that ensures that you cannot escape from their surveillance. The difference between man and God is that the Lord gathers all this information about us for our benefit, so he can guide us gingerly to share his nature and so spend eternity with him. The purpose of God is always love, for God is love. If you dare to give a man such power over your life, the wickedness, the selfishness, the greed in man's fallen nature will rise to enslave rather than ennoble. Now, all we have discussed so far has to do with the can we say instruments of intimacy? Because it is through the spirit 
in man that the Spirit of God can communicate with man. Otherwise, it is impossible because the Spirit cannot speak to the flesh and the Spirit cannot speak directly to the soul. The Spirit must speak to the Spirit in order to bridge the gap between man and God and create that relationship that can grow to become very intimate. So, it is important, therefore, that we look closely at what we call the agents, then, of intimacy and how they function in an interrelated function so that you and I can begin to develop intimacy with God if we are yet to do so. Now, we return to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. The Bible says, But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. There are only two uh, agents of intimacy in actual fact. The Spirit in man and the Spirit of God. The Spirit in man knows everything going on in the heart of man. The Spirit of God searches the deep things in the heart of God to unveil all the truth we need to lead godly lives on earth and how we need to position ourselves for continuous flow of wisdom and power from God so that we can become and then we can do everything that is in the heart of God concerning us. Now let us, let us see how the fall of man then impacted this surge of man for intimacy with God. The judgment of the fall of man must be understood in its full reality. It was no mean threat that God made in Genesis chapter 2 verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. But what kind of death is this? It certainly was not the withdrawal of the animating life stream, or else it would have resulted in man's physical death. But what was withdrawn was the divine presence within man, controlled by the Spirit of God. This is the link that allows the continuous flow of the mind of God to the mind of man, mediated through the Spirit of God to the Spirit of man. This is the way it works. Okay? Because, you see, God is Spirit. Jesus said, God is Spirit. Those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. So, the Spirit of God must search out the mind of God. And then He will communicate it to the spirit in man. And then the spirit in man will communicate it to the mind of man. 
And that's how man and God can work together and come together in a very deep relationship. Now, we can understand our Lord Jesus Christ's statement to Nicodemus then in John chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. This is the truth that is stated also more unequivocally in John chapter 1 verse 12. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. To be born of the Spirit is to be born of God. What it means in essence is the restoration of that life stream from the Spirit of God to the Spirit in man, so that man can receive the mind of God on any matter and at every stop of life. Now, let us go a little deeper into this and try to understand the root of intimacy. The root of intimacy is revealed to us in Amos chapter 3. I begin to read from verse 1. Hear this word that the Lord has spoken against you, O children of Israel, against the whole family which I brought up from the land of Egypt, saying, You only have I known of all the families of the earth, Therefore I will punish you for all your iniquities. Verse 3. Can two walk together unless they are agreed? Now the first thing we learn from this is that intimacy is within the bonds of an existing covenant relationship. Moses said to Israel that they were enjoying the bond of love within the covenant relationship God had made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Two cannot work together unless they be agreed. And they can only work together within the context of the covenant that is, exists between the two. That's why Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 35, Moses said to Israel, To you it was shown that you might know that the Lord himself is God, there is none other besides him. Out of heaven he let you hear his voice, that he might instruct you on earth. He showed you his great fire, and you heard his words out of the midst of the fire. And because he loved your fathers, therefore he chose their descendants after them. And he brought you out of Egypt with his presence, with his mighty power driving out from before your nations greater and mightier than you, to bring you in, to give you their land as an inheritance, as it is this day. Therefore, know this day, and consider it in your heart, that the Lord himself is God in heaven above, and on the earth beneath. There is no other. You shall therefore keep his statutes and his commandments, which I command you today, that it may go well with you and with your children after you that you may prolong your days in the land which the Lord your God is giving you for all time. Why is it important to understand that this intimacy is within a covenant relationship? 
It is because in a covenant relationship, there are expectations on both sides. When the angel of God appeared to Gideon, he questioned the angel about the expectations from the side of man. In Judges chapter 6, verse 12, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Gideon said to him, O oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. But the angel revealed to Gideon that the prevalent idolatry in Israel was the problem. And that's why he instructed him to go and throw down the idol of Baal in his father's house. In Judges 6.25 Now it came to pass the same night that the Lord said to him, Take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years old, and tear down the altar of Baal that your father has, and cut down the wooden image that is beside it, and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this rock, in the proper arrangements, and take the second bull and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the image which you shall cut down. So Gideon took ten men from among his servants and did as the Lord has said to him. But because he feared his father's household and the men of the city too much to do it by day, he did it by night. I always say to people, uh, to believers, when God asks you to do something, whether you are afraid, whether you are shaking, do it anyway. Because obedience, like we will see, is the foundation of intimacy in a covenant relationship. When God asks you to do something and you go ahead and do it, then the relationship has begun in earnest. You see, Gideon, he was very much afraid. But he knew that if he did not push down that altar, then there will be no relationship. When Gideon tore down the image of Baal, two agreed. And so God and man began to walk together again, just like Amos said. Now we go on to what I have called in pursuit of intimacy. If there was anyone in the Bible who understood the pursuit of intimacy, it was King David. Verse, Psalm 63 verse 1 says, O God, you are my God. Earnestly will I seek you my inner self thirsts for you. My flesh longs and is faint for you in a dry and weary land where no water is. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise you. So will I bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. Verse 5, my whole being shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. Verse 6, when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the night watches, for you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings will I rejoice. Verse 8, my whole being follows hard after you 
and clings closely to you. Your right hand upholds me. But those who seek and demand my life to ruin and destroy it shall themselves be destroyed and go into the lower parts of the earth, into the underworld of the dead. They shall be given over to the power of the sword. They shall be a prey for foxes and jackals. But the king shall rejoice in God. Everyone who swears by him, that is, who binds himself to God's authority, acknowledging his supremacy and devoting himself to his glory and service alone, every such one shall glory for the mouth of those who speak lies shall be stopped. Now we need to pause a little and take a bit of look into this. David began the psalm by saying, O oh God, you are my God, earnestly. You see, when you have, when you are in pursuit of intimacy, there must be what we call inner sincerity. He said, earnestly will I seek you. My inner self thirsts for God. My flesh longs and is faint for God. In a dry and weary land where no water is. The first thing that everybody must understand is that intimacy is not a group affair. No. Intimacy with God is a very personal affair. And so you can see the heart of the man who is seeking after God. In the next verse, King David spoke about seeking God earnestly and about how his soul and his spirit thirst for God, the beauty and glory of his presence. For David, his relationship with his God was a true love affair. As we see in verses 2 to 5 of Psalm 63, So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you, so will I bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. Now the love affair is revealed in the midnight conversations that David had on his bed which bring joy and gladness to his heart as revealed in verses 5 and 6. My whole being shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the night watches. You know, it's intimacy. There is no real formula. But when a heart is after God, in the daytime, in the nighttime, you are, your heart is about God, thinking about Him, His delights, His pleasures and displeasures, what you and I need to do to please Him in our life. Now, <clears throat> the love affair is about deep, heartfelt gratitude, about the depth and the wonder of God's love for us, as revealed in verse 7. He said, For you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings, Will I rejoice? Oh yes, because that's the place of safety, the shadow of his wings. You know, I've always said that the greatest weapon of spiritual warfare is the divine presence. And because you and I are in a covenant relationship with God, we have the potential to bring down the divine presence through obedience, through praise and worship, through dedication to the will of God. In verse 8, we have one of the strongest descriptions of the attitude of the heart that desires intimacy with God. My whole being follows hard after you and clings closely to you. 
your right hand upholds me. Now this is bidirectional. As I use body, soul, and spirit in me to follow hard or closely after my God, I see his right hand strengthening and upholding me through the circumstances of life. Now, now we go to the uh, uh, last two verses of verse 11, the last verse. Said, but the king, but the king shall rejoice in God because he, knew, he knows God, because he has a relationship with God, because he has a conversation with God every day. So the king shall rejoice in God. Everyone who swears by God, that is who binds himself by God's authority to do the will of God, to obey God, acknowledging God's supremacy and devoting himself to his glory and service alone, Every such one shall glory for the mouth of those who speak lies shall be stopped. In other words, when we are devoted to God, when we love him, when we do his will, when we rejoice in his power and his glory, when we feel safe and confident under the shadow of his wings, ah, God is delighted to draw us near to himself. Now, let us go and look uh, on the power of intimacy because intimacy is a love affair with God a deep desire to please the Lord to obey him to walk in his will and to follow his ways no matter the sacrifice and no matter the cost there is a deep desire not to displease God but always to delight his heart with our heartfelt worship, praise, and our unflinching obedience. This must be followed by a careful understanding of what pleases God and the ways we must walk daily to continue to please Him. We discover the power of intimacy in the lives of men and women whose conduct and relationship with God revealed intimacy. So let us look at a few of them. First on the line, of course, is Abraham's intercession for Sodom, in which we see a man in the Old Testament showing importunity in prayer. You know, importunity was what our Lord Jesus Christ taught us. But here we see a man at the very, very uh, early phases of God's revelation of himself to man. Yet, the man had the audacity and the boldness to pray an importunate prayer. Let's listen to him in Genesis chapter 18, 22. So the men, so the men turned from there and went towards Sodom, while Abraham remained standing before the Lord. Then Abraham came near and said, Will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are 50 righteous within the city. Will you then sweep away the place and not forgive it for the 50 righteous who are in it. Far be it from you to do such a thing, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous fare as the wicked. Far be that from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? Now, Abraham knew God sufficiently in their relationship together 
to know that he could talk boldly before God. He could say to God, I am appealing to your justice because I know that you are a just God. I am appealing to your love because you are, I know that you are a God of love. I am appealing to your mercy because I know that you are God of mercy. This is what intimacy is all about. We use the knowledge we have of God. We use the knowledge we have of his ways. We, knew, we use the knowledge of what that we have of, of, of how he treats those who draw near to him to speak to him in prayer. And I love the way God conceded to Abraham. He reveals to us that when you bring before him a strong argument, he will concede to you. And the Lord said in verse 26, if I find a Sodom 50 righteous in this city, I will forgive the whole place for their sake. Abraham said, answered, let me take it upon myself to speak to the Lord. I who am but dust and ashes. Now, now Abraham, you see, he, he, he understands intimacy, but he's very careful. These are all the things we learn about intimacy. He is very careful not to offend, not to go beyond the bounds, you know, of propriety in the relationship with God. Abraham answered, let me take it upon myself to speak to the Lord, I who am but dust and ashes. Suppose five of the fifty righteous are lacking. Will you destroy the whole city for lack of five? And he said, I will not destroy it if I find forty-five there. Again he spoke to him, suppose forty are found there. He answered, for the sake of forty, I will not do it. Then he said, oh, do not let the Lord be angry. If I speak again, suppose 30 are found there. He answered, I will not do it if I find 30 there. He said, let me take it upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose 20 are found there. He answered, for the sake of 20, I will not destroy it. Then he said, oh, do not let the Lord be angry. If I speak just once more, suppose 10 are found there. He answered, for the sake of 10, I will not destroy it. And the Lord went his way when he had finished speaking to Abraham. And Abraham returned to his place. Even Abraham himself considered that if Sodom could not muster ten righteous people, then I rest my case. I rest my intercession. I rest my plea. And so it's very important to note that even though Abraham was importunate in his prayers, he knew that he had to maintain the bounds of propriety. Because we learn in Deuteronomy, where Moses recounted his uh, predicament and tragedy when God spoke to him and said, speak to the rock and it will produce water for the people. Moses was so angry with the people's rebellion that he went to them and said, you stiff-necked people, must I bring you water from this rock? And then instead of speaking to the rock, he struck the rock twice. The Bible said water gushed out in a fury. And God was offended because Moses had taken it upon himself to go beyond the bounds of propriety. God said, speak. He hit the rock twice. And then he dared to say, must we bring you water from this rock? Moses, when did you become we? Have you become God like me? In that case then, come home. 
And those are the things that we learn about intimacy. That there is propriety within the bounds of intimacy. And you, you and I must be careful when we draw close to God to maintain that sense of propriety. So we'll never be presumptuous before God. Now, next online about people who had intimacy was Moses when Israel offended the Lord in the wilderness on the matter of the golden calf. Moses knew what to say to God in order to catch the Lord's attention. In Exodus chapter 32, verse 30, On the next day Moses said to the people, You have sinned a great sin, but now I will go up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Alas, these people, they have sinned a great sin. They have made for themselves gods of gold. But now, if you will, only forgive their sin. But if not, blot me out of the book that you have written. Moses knew God. Moses knew that God is not a God of injustice. Moses knew that God he, if he put his relationship with God on the line, if he put the intimacy he has with God on the line, that God would respond. And that's why he came to God and said, please, I know these people, they have done something terrible before you, but please, I want you to forgive them. But if you decide not to forgive them, then blot my name out of your book. Now, I love again the way the Lord responded. But the Lord said to Moses, Whoever has sinned against me, I will blot out of my book. But now go, lead the people to the place about which I have spoken to you. See, my angel shall go in front of you. Nevertheless, when the day comes for punishment, I will punish them for their sin. Then the Lord sent a plague on the people because they made the calf, the one that Aaron made. God was already you know, prepared to abandon the people. But Moses said, I put the intimate relationship I share with you on the line. I'm ready to drop out. I'm ready to be accursed. I'm ready to go to hell. But please forgive them. A simple conversation. So, so now we, these are the things that reveal to us the power of intimacy. Let, let us go quickly to, to David. A simple conversation between King David and Arauna, the Jebusite, on the matter of the plague from the Lord after the census by Joab is also very revealing. 2 Samuel chapter 24, verse 19. So David, according to the word of God, went up as the Lord commanded. Now Arauna looked and saw the king and his servants coming toward him. So Arauna went out and bowed before the king with his face to the ground. Then Arauna said, why has my lord the king come to his servant? And David said, To buy the threshing floor from you, to build an altar to the Lord, that a plague may be withdrawn from the people. Now Arauna said to David, Let my lord the king take and offer up whatever seems good to him. Look, here are oxen for bond sacrifice, and threshing instruments, implements, and the yokes of the oxen for wood. All these, O king, Arauna has given to the king. And Arauna said to the king, May the Lord, your God, accept you. Then the king said to Arauna, No, 
but I will surely buy it from you for a price. Nor will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God with that which costs me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. And David built there an altar to the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord heeded the prayers for the land and the plague was withdrawn from Israel. David said, if God requires an offering from me, there is no way I can go and take something that is free to me and then bring it to God in order to answer a prayer that is so vital, in order to meet the demand that God has made on me to, to end the plague. David said, no, it must cost me something so that God will know that this is my sacrifice, not a rounder sacrifice through me. Now, what does that reveal to us? That intimacy has knowledge, you know, no prophet needed to come to David and say, ah, don't take it free, don't take it free. If you take it free, God may reject the sacrifice. No, David knew that. It was a product of his relationship with God. And that's why it's impossible, important to understand intimacy. That intimacy is born of knowledge. When you and I know the God that we serve, then we will know what he will approve, then we will know what he will not approve. And we will know what we will do, and he will be happy, and then we'll know what we will do, and he will be angry. That's what intimacy is all about. So, let us try and bring, wind down this message. The knowledge of five things that reveal the thirst for intimacy. The number one, I told you earlier, I mentioned earlier that intimacy is a love affair. And that's why in Deuteronomy, Chapter 6, verse 4. The Bible says here, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Keep these words that I'm commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children and talk about them when you are at home, when you are away, when you lie down, and when you rise. Bind them as a sign on your hand. Fix them as an emblem on your forehead and write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Now we know from our Lord Jesus Christ that to love God is to obey Him. That's why He said in John 14, 15, If you love me, then keep my commandments. To love God is to obey Him and to walk in His ways. As Moses revealed to Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12. So now, O Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? Only to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his decrees that I am commanding you today for your own good. And that's why, you know, anyone seeking intimacy with God must obey God, not out of threat of punishment, not out of benefit to myself, but out of love for God, knowing that I was created to do the will of God and to do it with joy. Genuine repentance also follows. After love comes genuine repentance. It always paves the way where intimacy exists for its restoration. If a man falls short, then Genuine repentance will restore intimacy. 
David committed adultery with the wife of Uriah, Bathsheba, Bathsheba. And then he murdered the husband to, 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 to cover the sin. Nathan said to him, God is angry with you. And David went into serious mourning and wrote Psalm 51. And in verse 16 and 17 he said, For you have no delight, O God, in sacrifice. If I were to give a burnt offering, you will not be pleased. The sacrifice acceptable to God is a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God you will not despise. David knew God well enough to know what he will do that God will accept. A broken and a contrite heart. That's what is going to restore the fellowship. That's what is going to re restore the relationship. That's what is going to rebuild the bonds of intimacy between him and God. And that's why he said in, a, in a, a, earlier on in that psalm, he said, cast not do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Now let us go quickly to worship and praise because those are also uh, uh, tools of intimacy. Make a joyful noise, the Bible says in Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord is God. It is he that has made us and we are his, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Then verse 4 says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Praise and worship always brings down the presence of God. And particularly when it's done out of a pure heart, when it's done sincerely when he's done with a heart that loves the Lord and is obedient to the commandments of God it always establish, establishes the bond of intimacy now let, let's go quickly then to the to, uh, two remaining ones one is faith everybody needs faith for intimacy because the Bible says in John chapter 1 verse 18 no man has seen God at any time yes and in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6, the Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And, and uh, all those who come to God must believe that He is, and He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. We are told in Genesis 15, 5 to 6, that Abraham, God brought him outside and said, look, even though you don't have a child, look toward heaven and count the stars. If you are able to count them, then he said to him, so shall your descendants be. Verse 6, And Abraham believed the Lord. See, one thing to believe in God, one thing to be, the other thing is to believe God. Abraham believed God. And that's why it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Yes, the foundation of intimacy is faith in God. Faith in God and faith that trust God himself, trust his word, and acts on it, stands on it. That's, those are the things that please God. And those are the things that draw a man to God. Then finally, determination to do as God says in our lives. 
to do the will of God. Nothing excites God like that. Deuteronomy, Exodus chapter 19, verse 3, Then Moses went up to God. The Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the Israelites, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings, and brought you to myself. Now therefore, if you obey my voice, and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession out of all the peoples. Indeed, the whole earth is mine. But you shall be for me a priestly kingdom and a holy nation. These are the words you shall speak to the Israelites. So Moses came in verse 7, summoned the elders of the people, and said before them, all these words that the Lord has commanded. Now here is their response. The people all answered as one. Everything that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Moses reported the words of the people to God. Now here, this is how God responded. Then the Lord said to Moses, I am going to come to you in a dense cloud in order that the people may hear when I speak with you and, to, and so trust you forever. When Moses repeated the words of the people to the Lord, that God, God really excited. If you continue to read that scripture, he said, go and sanctify the people. I am coming to meet with them. Again, we see this in Deuteronomy chapter 5, from verse 23. When the Israel had the voice of the Lord speaking, and the fire, and the earthquake, and the thunderings, they said to Moses, you go and speak to God, and then come and speak to us. We will hear it, and then we will do it. Now, here is how God responded to that. Okay? Go near, they said to yourself. Hear all that our Lord God will say. Then tell us everything that the Lord our God tells you. And we will listen and do it. The Lord heard your words when you spoke to me. And the Lord said to me, I have heard the words of these people which they have spoken to you. They are right in all that they have spoken. If only they had such a mind as this to fear me and to keep all my commandments always, so that it might go well with them and with their children forever. God is saying, if you and I will hear the Lord, obey his voice, and do everything as he has commanded us, he said, it will be well with us. It will be well with our children forever. That is the power of intimacy. And nobody, nobody can ask for more. To have God be on your side all the time, to have God defend, protect, instruct, guide, redirect. That's awesome. That's what intimacy is all about. And it's a worthy quest for every believer in our Lord Jesus Christ. Bow your head and let us pray. I want you to say to God, please, I desire a closer walk with you. May your Holy Spirit take me through obedience. Take me through love. Take me through worship and praise. Take me through a commitment to do your will. Take me, oh God, to our daily walk with you. Because I desire to do as you say. I want to walk together with you in agreement according to your covenant with me. This is my heart's desire, oh God. Do it for me, I pray. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Now, wherever you are, 
Perhaps you have not known the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Say this prayer with me. O oh Lord my God, I desire a personal relationship with Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Lord Jesus, please come into my heart now. Be my Lord and my Savior. I confess you now as my Lord and Savior. I believe with all my heart that you died for my sins. I believe with all my heart that you rose from the dead, that I may live. Thank you for saving me. Thank you, O oh God, for in Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. Lord, let the spirit of intimacy rest on everyone under the sound of my voice, that we may have a deeper fellowship with you that will propel us to do your will on the earth as it is done in heaven, and do it with joy. For in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.